This is Film Prejudice with your hosts, Jason and Seth. I think they kind of prejudice, prejudice, prejudice. Are you prejudice? Welcome back to Film Prejudice, your go-to podcast for harshly judgmental commentary on unreleased cinema. I didn't talk over you that time <sighs> or job. make some kind of noise. Or... Good job. You did fail to secure a guest for this week. Well, that's um, not entirely true. I had a guest secured. The guest failed to show up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Uh, that means that you'll have a little bit less film prejudice to listen to this week. <laughs> This is an easy one. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that easy for us, because I don't know how much we have to say about Winchester. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Jason, you appear to be in good health this week. Um, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel okay. like sick or anything, but my my shoulder, I think I need a shoulder implant. Yeah. It's like really bad. I don't feel good about anything right now. I didn't realize how important the guest was to the show until I was just here alone with you. And, <laughs> and we have nothing to say to each other anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's going to get real weird. <laughs> See, I thought about just creating like a character and doing like a voice as our guest, but couldn't come up with anything. Also, I shot it down immediately after I heard that happy cowboy voice or whatever it was. Did you shoot it down with a Winchester repeating rifle? I did not, but I feel like you just made a clever segue there. <laughs> and now more chill. Yeah, so um, last night we went to see the new film Winchester about Sarah Winchester, the Winchester heiress, and the crazy mansion that she kept expanding and uh, building in strange ways to confuse or appease the ghosts of people who were slain by Winchester firearms. I thought she was like channeling these spirits and she would then draw up the room that they died in. Yeah. And then she would have that room built onto her house. Yeah. I don't know if that's how it was in reality. Like, if that's how it worked for her. I'm just her. saying this is how it works in the movie, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie didn't seem very concerned with what really happened. So I don't know. But I don't really know what happened. So, so we got uh, Sarah Winchester, who believes that she is being haunted by uh, the ghosts or, or souls of people that have been killed by the Winchester repeating rifle. And... They communicate with her, and she, like, draws up the rooms, and then they has a, she has a team of people that are constantly building these rooms onto her house. The rest of the Winchester company, the other members of the board or whatever, lawyers and whatnot, all think she's crazy, and they want her out. So they bring in this doctor to do a psych analysis on her, and they're going to pay him to tell them what they want to hear, which is that she's crazy, and then they can get her out of there. She has chosen him specifically because it is revealed later that he was chosen by her because he had died for a few minutes. So he has a connection to the other side. Yeah. 
Now, for a, for a while, I thought that maybe he was actually still dead, and that was going to be the route they were going. They were like, they built a room for him, and he didn't even realize it yet, but like, they went yeah. the other route with, oh, it was his I, wife. I considered that a couple, at a couple different points, but not really. Yeah, because what ruined it for me was because uh, the one lawyer or whatever showed up at his house and talked him into coming there, but yeah. I thought they could, hey, they could work around this a little bit, but... It would really depend on when he died. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, at its root, this is a horror movie. And I would say that the most important requirement of a horror movie be that it's scary. Did you feel scared? Not at once. any point? <laughs> Never. Yeah. Me neither. Um, Didn't even get me with any of their jump scare moments. Ah, there was one that got me. But... Yeah, most of them I knew was coming. Yeah. And a lot of them were like, they weren't even real jump scares with ghosts. It was like somebody opens a cabinet and like peekaboos through it. It's just And a, I totally a expected maid. a person to be in there. Yeah. But I was like yeah. laughing in my head about it. It's <laughs> right. like, like, that would be silly if there was a person to come out of that cabinet right now and then a, a fucking person was behind <laughs> the cabinet. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, it seemed more ridiculous than frightening to me. Um, there wasn't like a build to the scariness of anything um throughout the film well like okay with uh any like haunted house movie or ghost story is going to use a lot of like the film tropes that you would expect but like everything that happened in this movie you saw coming like a fucking mile away how'd this movie start did it start with uh henry the young boy getting up out of bed after the wind uh his candle blows up that's the beginning right was that the beginning? I thought the beginning was the doctor main character on Laudanum, and then that painting bleeds. No, man, that happens after. Oh. You get that, that first scene with um, Marion and uh, Henry, the young boy, in bed. Yeah. And he wakes up after the candle is extinguished by the uh, wind from the window, and he gets up. She wakes up, notices he's not there, and goes looking for him in the house. And finds him with that. Oh, he's got the bag on bag his head. over his head. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Presumably to make him more attractive during sex. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> we'll get we'll get into the Freudian implications of the film a little later on. But um, uh, the sort of balance of the house had been like thrown off by mm. this new spirit. Yeah. Which allowed these other spirits to escape because once the the super powerful evil spirit Ben is taken care of. Um, Sarah Winchester was able to tell all the other ghosts to go back to their room right? without their supper. <laughs> yeah. Um, except somehow Ben is able to walk around and possess the kid and some other things. Yeah. And he's possessing the kid prior to um, giving her the sort of blueprint of the room. He's possessing the kid from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of things that are never really explained in this movie. Oh, for sure. Which I think that if, I don't know, if it were like uh, better, <laughs> I might forgive it <laughs> a few of those things. Right, right. One big issue I had with it was like one of the most interesting parts about the whole story is this house. Yeah. And I thought that a lot of, like, I thought it was underused. Absolutely. We, we see like, I don't know, maybe 10 rooms. And that hallway, and like over and over again. The same, the same, like, yeah. 
rooms. And it's supposed to be a huge mansion. I, I mean, I get it. They have a budget to work with, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's expensive to dress all these things in 1906, you know, period proper furniture and all that stuff. But eh, uh, you could do a few more rooms. Gerard, the guest on the last episode, actually mentioned the house looking like it was going to be the most interesting character in the movie. And that's kind of what I was thinking, too, but it definitely wasn't. The house didn't do much at all. We didn't even get to see much of it. The roller skate, yeah. however. <laughs> Stole that, every scene it was in. That little guy's wheeling all over the place, <laughs> leading people down staircases, showing him the way to... Then this roller skate makes several appearances. Yeah, a haunted roller skate. At one know. point... It, it... Everything else that leads leads the doctor actually, and possibly Mrs. Winchester as well. Um, there are these ghosts in one part of the movie that like lead him to this certain area and help him do the things that he needs to do to appease Ben's spirit. And they're all ex-people, uh, you know, dead humans, except there's this roller skate. <laughs> and, and it does the same thing. It's like, did somebody shoot this roller skate at some point? Uh, Anyway, I was rooting for the roller skate, and I hope that, along with Ben, the roller skate found peace. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about, like, the acting and the characters in this? I, I thought, like, the, for the most part, the acting was fine, right? Yeah. I didn't have any real issues. Nobody was really... There was that guy with the big, like, mutton chops. With he was a little weird. Rrr. He had that really strange voice. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I thought the acting was fine. I don't know. Yeah. It was fine. Helen Mirren was fine. At one point, did she drop a southern accent at one point? Oh, yeah, when she was possessed by Ben for a brief moment. Was she possessed at that point? I believe so. Walking around the... uh, Up in the room? I thought she was trying to talk to him and talk him out of, like... Yeah, but then I thought that he actually took hold of her for a moment. All right. I could be wrong. There were several moments in this movie where it was hard to really say what was going on. I guess yeah. there was an earthquake that happened. Yeah, well, that gets into, there's this whole thing going on with, you know, it kicks off. The doctor is doing a bunch of laudanum. You know, he's he's addicted to opiates, apparently. Shouldn't um, his withdrawal have been worse? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But there, there's a larger thing going on, just sort of where they're trying to blur the line between reality and unreality. And so you... You know, you have this doctor that is doing all this laudanum when he goes into the Winchester house, and he's blaming these apparitions on the laudanum, and then uh, Mrs. Winchester takes his laudanum away when he's not in the room, and then he blames the apparitions on the withdrawals. Um, His very mild withdrawals. Yeah, he doesn't really, I mean... The only he just barely alludes to it. He's just kind of like, "Oh, it must be the withdrawals." Yeah, that's it. That's all we see. He doesn't get shaky. He doesn't like nothing really happens. But yeah, um, the laudanum thing—that's one thing. Also, he and Mrs. Winchester are both probably suffering. Well, she's suffering through some sort of grief that's lasted for twenty years uh, since her husband passed away. And then the doctor is going through also probably self-medicating with the laudanum because of PTSD from that situation where he died. Um, 
you know, that that's what's haunting him inside. And so all these things are like reasons that they're using in the story to say, like, this person might be experiencing something that's not really there. You don't know if it's actual ghosts or if it's just in their head. Um, I never thought that it was just in anybody's head. Yeah, I didn't either. So if they were trying to, like, make it uncertain. Yeah. And then the earthquake is part of this, too, which during the movie three quarters of the way through. Yeah. Once like uh, the the ghosts are all coming out of their rooms and shit's going nuts. Parts of the house start to fall apart and things are like shaking and whatever, which I just assumed was because evil was present and things were getting dangerous yeah it was it was not very far apart from the scene where a bunch of glass and rifles just rise up off the floor and float there for a while so that kind of tells you like anything could be happening right now yeah um and so when the house shakes you just think oh well it's it's possessed yeah ben's possessing the house or or doing something you know shaking it around now once did i think earthquake not once did anyone say earthquake or mention it afterward until, like, right after the closing scene, screen goes black, and then there's a little note about the 1906 San Francisco <laughs> earthquake that apparently was the reason for the shaking. Well, it doesn't say that. It just says a fact about the earthquake. Right. It doesn't yeah. say, yeah. and that's also what happened in the movie, just so they go, oh, wait a minute. Was that an earthquake then? Yeah. Um, we were not entirely sure uh, if the filmmakers, who are uh, identical twins, Australian directors, the Spierig brothers, yeah, if they have a pro or anti-gun agenda. But there are definitely some some gun-related issues that come up throughout the movie. Yeah, for sure. They sort of have that moment <laughs> at at dinner when he first meets Mrs. Winchester. And they're talking about, you know, well, she's talking about how awful it is to manufacture these weapons that are intended to kill. But then the counterpoint is made like, um, I think it's Marion maybe that brings up this point. They're like, well, it's not always used by bad people for evil things. Sometimes it's used to protect you. Sometimes it is. There are other uses for this weapon. But it wasn't spoken about very much. No, um, I mean, it, other just, than that, I mean, the movie didn't get preachy about it either way i don't think but if you look at what happens in the movie you know in the end the main evil ghost ben who was killed by a winchester rifle has to be killed again by a winchester Winchester rifle rifle. (laughs) to finally be at peace yes so i don't know i mean looking at it with that in mind it it seems like well there's that that, yeah that, that that last um conflict where ben he has like i don't know 20 or 30 different rifles are all floating in the air pointed at um dr price and he has one rifle that he's loaded with his special bullet that he's been saving since he was shot with it as sort of like a reminder because it connects him to like you know the other side and he uses that to kill ben again so what they're really saying is one good guy with a gun that argument man yeah it is mrs winchester also she mentions it at one point she says something about having tried it her way for 20 years or something like that um where she's been just you know when these evil spirits show up she just boards them away and uh and then toward the end she's kind of like um 
you know, I've tried it my way. Now we're going to have to break out the, the guns again. <laughs> we're going to have to win this with the gun that I hate so much. I don't know. Did you catch, there's a line in there, something about um, the doctor dying to protect his wife. But then when we see, they kind of like reenact their death, her death scene uh, when yeah. he's in the greenhouse. It doesn't look like he was trying to protect her. I mean, he tries to pull the gun away from her shooting herself. I mean, she did it anyway. So, yeah. So he didn't protect her. He died trying to protect her. Yes. Had he had a gun and just shot that gun out of her hand, she definitely <laughs> would have left. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, shot her in the arm or something. We got to take that out. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, we've already been rambling about Winchester for 28 minutes. Yeah, you? 28 minutes, and I haven't even gotten to the part about, you know, uh, it's 1906. Um, Freud has really just started to uh, publish and popularize his ideas of psychoanalysis. Uh, presumably this doctor uh, knows of him because he talks about treating uh, these illnesses, whereas, you know, 20 years before, they would just lock people up uh, who were exhibiting symptoms uh, of PTSD and whatnot. And a lot of what Freud said did deal with repression of bad memories, um, any kind of experiences, grief, and so on and so forth. Um, and the notion that ideas are both latent and operative at the same time. And I think... It may actually have been intentional on the part of the filmmaker to drop these things into the movie, like all this stuff about repression. I don't think it works at all. <laughs> like, I don't think it comes across enough. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not well-versed enough on this to really get into it. But uh, I think there's probably something there that the writer of this is, like, really proud of. And a lot of other people probably don't get it and don't care. Um. Nah, looking at Tom Vaughn's other work, no. <laughs> Give me a few. In, in 2004, yeah. he wrote uh, Unstoppable, the Wesley Snipes movie. Although it is about a CIA operative who suffers from extreme PTSD. Boom. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, what's Playing House about? Is that about PTSD as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at Unstoppable. Uh. This is only the fourth movie he's written. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that, like, overall, it was just sort of had this haunted house, paint-by-numbers feel to it. Like, I wasn't surprised by any of it. All of the tropes are there. Yeah, the one thing that it should have had going for it was the, the setting. and it was underused. Yeah. They didn't do a very good job of it. Um, given everything we've talked about overall, uh, I was excited about it, sort of. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Hey, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, I dropped it. I dropped it down to a five. I um, felt that it was completely mediocre. So, um, I gave it a six before. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's gone down to at least a five. But I could see myself going four. I could see you going to a four also. I am going to a four. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm glad to have influenced you again. You're always influencing my numbers. <laughs> I say a number and you go, are you sure about that number? And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I wonder if the filmmakers are going to be haunted by the people who saw this movie. <laughs> Wait, we didn't ask our guests what they thought. 
Crickets. Oh. Hey, Rudy. <laughs> what did you think about Winchester? It was a turd. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah. Let's get prejudiced. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. What kind of forever? The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. The revolution will be live. Kala, after the death of his father, the king of Wakanda, returns home to the isolated, technologically advanced African nation to succeed to the throne and take his rightful place as king. This is the plot of Black Panther, um, the new superhero movie. Marvel's latest entry into uh, their ongoing cinematic universe. Who do we have directing this? Uh, Ryan Coogler, I believe. Yeah. Mm. Which... um, I've never seen one of his movies. Oh. I've always, I've heard good things. I've heard that I should. Specifically, uh, was it Fruitvale Station? And then Creed are the only two that I'm aware of. Huh. I don't think he's been around doing this for very long, though. Do you know much of anything about the comic, the character himself? Other than I know that he was created by Stan Lee and jack kirby yeah and debuted in a fantastic four issue i believe right in 1966 which actually predates the black panther party for self-defense yeah they actually i believe considered or tried out changing his name yeah i think they i believe that they changed it to uh black Black Leopard. leopard um but in the trailer that i watched they were definitely playing up the association um i think at this point yeah you know they have the the line the revolution will not be televised which was a like a line used in the black power movement later on in the 60s um although i don't know how closely the movie is going to come to following the tenets of the marxist leninist revolutionary group you know considering that they were staunch anti-capitalists and I'm guessing that this Marvel movie is anything but anti-capitalist. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, I mean, it it looks as good as any other like Marvel movie looks. Yeah, well, that's the thing is there are probably a lot of people like me who are experiencing superhero burnout. There are just so many Marvel movies, especially. Um, the thing that's interesting about this one is that we do get to see it in the the context of a different culture. I think it'll be interesting to see a movie that is, especially in this genre, uh, dominated by white male writers and directors. And this time, um, it's black writers, black directors, largely black cast. Um, I mean, regardless of whether or not we have to see it because it's podcast, I'm going to see this movie. Why? Why? Yeah. I tend to see all of these fucking. Acting like you Did didn't you watch care the new it. Thor movie? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, 
the Thor movies are probably the only superhero movies I like because they're comedies. Mm. This last one, definitely. It's more comedy than action. Guardians is also... Yeah, kind of. Do you think that Black Panther is uh, it's going to be more serious, though? I didn't see anything in the trailer that looked particularly humorous. Um, there were a few times where I thought that could have been like a, you know, a one-liner. Or... It looked pretty serious from what I saw. So um, just because I'm kind of bored with superhero movies, and I haven't even seen all that many of them, just, I'm not big into action anyway, you know this. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Kind of like a 7 out of 10 was I'm expecting it to be uh, a lot of the same as far as like, well, I am in action, but I'm getting really bored with a lot of it. I mean, it's going to be the same kind of car chases and drawn out fights. And these superhero, who, uh, and these superhero movies are kind of the worst at dragging out an animated fight. Absolutely. Yeah. This movie is, um, is two hours and 14 minutes long. That's another slight problem that I have with um, it. It's too long. These superhero movies don't need to be that long. They could trim these fights down and probably get it down to like an hour 45. My youngest son is really looking forward to this movie, though. So that's more of the intended audience. Not you, old man. Aren't you older than I am? Young at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Save the tribe. Fiorina's this way. So throw your sticks and throw your stones, cause you ain't gonna break my bones. Huh? Set at the dawn of time when prehistoric creatures and woolly mammoths roamed the earth, Early Man tells the story of Doug, along with sidekick Hognob, as they unite his tribe against a mighty enemy Lord Nuth and his Bronze Age city to save their home. That is Early Man. Early man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the it's like Wallace and Gromit animation. Yeah, it's Nick Park yeah. who created and did all that Wallace and Gromit stuff, which I love Wallace and Gromit. Uh, this clay animation thing, thrilled to see it still being used. You keep oh. making these faces like you are not <laughs> fucking feeling it, man. This didn't look I, good whoa, to whoa, me. Whoa, whoa, I, I was going to also say the trailer doesn't look all that funny. And Okay, good. All right. Cause yeah, I'm, I have. I, I still, like Wallace and Gromit. Okay, it's all right. You know, I'd probably rate Wallace and Gromit like a six at least, maybe a seven overall. This, all right. I don't know. This looks weird to me. This is like, were you picking up what's going on? It's it, he's he 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 like the British are being oppressed by the French. Did you watch the trailer with the right. audio commentary by the director? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, this is becoming a trend. Yeah, it is. Oh, no. Um, Nick Park, uh, <laughs> and I quote, this is what he says. It's a prehistoric underdog sports movie. Oh. So he huh. travels to this uh, kingdom or whatever where the enemy lord, what did I say his name was? Nuth? Yeah. Uh, and their religion is based around football, soccer. Football. Okay. Um. <laughs> So he, so the character Doug is aware that his ancestors, I guess, have a connection to this sport or even invented or something like that. And he challenges the, the Lord to a match. And I guess it's like, you know, 
if they win, he leaves their village alone or whatever. Otherwise, they lose it. Did you pick up on all that in the trailer? No, yeah. absolutely Well, not. apparently it's there because Nick Park was they... saying it was. I don't think there were any sports played in the trailer that I watched. Yeah, he goes. Doug goes running into the arena and stabs a soccer ball at one point. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't pick up on this being a sports movie completely centered around soccer. Um, all I saw were... I wasn't entirely clear if the cavemen were taken captive or not, um, but there were these cavemen with British accents, and then these kind of bronze-clad figures show up with French accents, and it seemed like they took them away in the trailer I watched, but I'm not entirely sure. I didn't pay that much attention to this trailer. You know, like I said, like, <laughs> it looks questionable. Yeah, well, it's a cookie-cutter plot. You're going to have a little of that Wallace and Gromit humor in there. I, um, I believe he says that it's almost all gags. <laughs> Great. I, I've got enough hope, and I, I, I dig the style a lot. Uh, giving it a, a six. Okay, I'm giving it a four. I, I feel like equally knowing that it's a cookie-cutter sports movie and that I don't really have enough to go on as far as the gags. Like, nothing in the trailer seemed all that Prehistoric funny. Prehistoric underdog sports movie. Name another one. <laughs> it's destroying everything. It's not destroying. It's making something new. A biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition where the laws of nature don't apply. This is Annihilation. Uh, what we have here, it looks like there is a place where there is a glimmery sheen that you can walk through, and inside this area, plants can crossbreed with animals, and animals with plants, and different species of animals, and make all sorts of things, and then Natalie Portman murders them all with an automatic rifle and you don't want to see it <laughs> i don't want to see her shooting a bunch of plants with teeth why is that exciting to you well it's not just that but like it's kind of got this jurassic park the thing alien thing going on crossed with biodome <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe a stretch for the, with the biodome yeah that's but, a stretch but it's got i mean uh i like tessa thompson jennifer jason lee yeah, they're both great, but they're shooting plants. Not all plants. I saw a lot of plants in the video. Oh, wait. I like monster movies. Yeah, you like monster movies. But um, but but not just oh, wait. Are you familiar with any of our uh, Oh my god. Are you familiar with any of Alex Garland's other works? No. No. Um he wrote the novel The Beach. Which no. They made into a movie starring Leo. Right. Um, he wrote the screenplays for 28 Days Later and Sunshine, which I can get down with both of these movies. Also, have you seen, uh, was it Ex Machina? Yeah. You saw that? Yeah. What'd you think of that? That's the only other movie he's directed. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was pretty good. I just don't trust this. I don't trust that it's going to be good. I don't know. You walk through this shimmery curtain and then... Well, yeah. It, it's a fantasy. I'm also a little afraid that it's going to go into like 
this whole anti-GMO thing and be like, this is what could happen if we just let like GMO crops run rampant in our world. They're going to have teeth and we're going to have to gun them all down. That's what you think is going to happen? Uh, I mean, maybe subtextually, but yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> all I can do is come up with suppositions and judge the movie based on those. I know. And I'm telling you that you're probably wrong. Nah, I think I'm right. That's why I'm giving it a four out of ten. I give it an eight. <laughs> well, you're going to be wrong. All right. Loser gets annihilated. <laughs> the day that Amy shadowed you at school, I was Amy. And the day that you went to the beach with Justin, I was Justin. It's not possible. It is. Hey, it's me. Every day of your life, you've just woken up and... Just tried to live that day for that person. That sounds really lonely. It isn't, because I know what makes each person different and what makes everyone the same. Why are you doing this? A shy teenager falls for someone who transforms into another person every day. <laughs> In every day. This is ridiculous. I watched the, the... When I watched the trailer, I was just like wanted to puke in my mouth this person this person is trading bodies every day well i don't know maybe i need to read more about it to understand the mechanics of this but ostensibly these people are all in the same area right because the protagonist has to meet all of them yeah i don't know if, i don't know if they're if this I, I don't know what it is it's this entity like takes over somebody that already exists or just becomes a new yeah. person every day and they're all you know hollywood beautiful people not all of them there was the and chubby they're... kid who couldn't <laughs> who couldn't run God. i mean they threw the one in yeah. probably for like all of a minute something like that but you can see know. what they're going for this sort of like oh you know experience what it's like to be all these different people and know what they go through and maybe you could become more all these, but. these pretty English-speaking people who live in the same area code. <laughs> um, nah, the only way that this movie is interesting is if it turns out to be a ruse in the end, being perpetrated by one person who's just paying off other people and feeding them lines. Yeah, that's a <laughs> wonderful idea. <I've laughs> like in Roxanne, right? Yeah, like yeah. It's Cyrano de Bergerac on steroids, basically, and updated for the modern yeah, age. That would be uh, way more interesting than what I think every day is trying to sell me. It looks terrible. I'm giving it a 2 out of 10. It's directed by Michael Suxy, and I don't think that's a... <laughs> <laughs> Nearly a coincidence. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did you give it? 2. I gave it a two as well. All right. Tonight, we're taking game notch. Oh, boy. Mm. Someone in this room is going to be taken, and it's going to be up to you to find them. It's a murder mystery party. Whoever finds the victim wins the grand prize. You're not going to know what's real and what's fake. Wait a sec. You can't just come in here and break the door. Oh! Is this real? Guys, make sure you get a piece of this cheese. A group of friends who meet regularly for game nights find themselves trying to solve a murder mystery. And by murder mystery, I mean a real murder mystery. 
this is game night. Just like the tagline says, this is not a game. But then again, it is kind of a game. Because it's a comedy. No, because, I mean, just because the stakes are real doesn't mean it's not a game. That's true. You're right. Like The Hunger Games are a game. Yeah. Uh, Battle Royale, that's yeah. a game. It's a pretty serious game, but... Uh, what do we have? We got Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. Um, written and directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who did... I know, well, one of those was Freaks and Geeks, kid. Oh. Um, but then they did stuff like... Um, did they do horrible bosses right is that what i'm thinking of yeah yeah horrible bosses i saw that it was actually okay i thought it had some laughs i, I never don't saw know it. i mean this doesn't look awful it doesn't there's look a, awful there's a scene where like the dog's covered in blood and it's shaking blood all over I the place thought that was, was a great like, yeah great scene this is something i can laugh at comedic gore uh it's also got the uh, bizarro matt damon uh, I saw him. jesse he's, Plemons. he's just popping up everywhere now yeah um well, when, I don't you wanna, when you want to save a few bucks and not pay Matt Damon, <laughs> you get Jesse. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some stuff in there that looks funny. Uh, I I don't dislike the premise. Um, here's my concern. Oh, here we go. Mark Perez, the writer. He's uh, been in the business for, uh, going back to 1998. But it's his lack of credits. It's the lack of things that he's actually done. He's got six different projects that he's been connected to over the years. Some TV series that didn't last in 1998. He wrote the screenplay for Frank McCluskey, CI. To be fair, very few TV series from 1998 have lasted. In 2002. Also in 2002, The Country Bears. Then he did Herbie Fully Loaded in 05. Well, who can argue Accepted in 06, and then a TV movie called Back Nine in 2010, which reads like some sort of Kevin Costner golf movie. 2010. That was the last thing he's done. What happened in the past eight years, Mark Perez? Did he do some soul-searching, regroup, and then decided he wanted another go at it, and he came back with Game Night? Maybe he's kind of like a terrible version of Daniel Day-Lewis. Like he does <laughs> he does he knocks out like a project that for him is you know his magnum opus and then he runs off to the netherlands for eight years and finds himself and then he's like okay all right i think i'm up to game night now yeah maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe i don't know maybe it took him fucking seven years to write maybe he's just he had other shit going on I don't know. I mean, we can't be that critical when we almost didn't do a podcast today because we didn't have a guest. It's easy. Ah. It's easy to fall into non-productivity. I agree. I think we can both relate to that uh, yeah. and realize that that's it's a real problem. Maybe he was just having fun on that country bears money. <laughs> <laughs> he got that Herbie fully loaded check and went out and got fully loaded himself. <laughs> Eight years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I thought that this looked okay. Um, slightly better than boring. A little bit of it looked boring. Like some of the jokes didn't quite do anything for me, but a couple of them did. So I'm gonna go with a six. I'm also going with a six. But before we call it quits on game night, we gotta get Sep's take. Sep weighed in? Yeah, he did. 
I asked him, Sep, what do you think about the movie Game Night that's coming out soon? And Sep said, I think it looks good. Looks like a solid plot line and love Jason Bateman. He's a funny guy. <sighs> that sounds like Sep might give it like a upwards of an eight, maybe even a nine. Yeah. Far be it from me to argue with a guy that has Jar Jar Banks tattooed on what he refers to as his trash leg. <laughs> it's true. And I don't know, we'll get into that later. <laughs> You're going to learn a lot about Sep over a very long time. It's not over yet. All right, so uh, here's the deal. Once again, we're going to randomly select one of these movies that hasn't come out yet uh, that we just pre-reviewed, and we're going to have to go watch it and then review it for you on the next episode. In the past, we've been rolling a die. The film prejudice die. Yeah. We're going to try something new. I mean, we don't, like, we're trying out a lot of new things. We don't have a guest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't like to stay stagnant on this show. Um, We like to mix it up. So today, at least for this episode, we've retired the film prejudice die. And we have a special guest who's going to randomly pick the movie that we have to go see. So we have our movies listed in order. From 1 through 5, Black Panther, Early Man, Annihilation, Every Day, and Game Night. Let's see which one we have to see. Hey Siri, pick a number between 1 and 5. Random number between 1 and 5 is 2. That would be Early Early Man. Man. Well, at least it's not every day. That's true. We should start a spinoff podcast, though, where we watch the movie every day. Every day. And yeah, good our, luck finding a guest for that one. <laughs> Can't even get one to show up on this podcast. That's true. All right, so in the coming days, we'll uh, go watch Early Man. Unless you are really wanting to go see Every Day. I think you kind of want to see Every Day. We'll just go see it just for us. And we'll get back to you in the next episode with our review. We'll probably have a guest. Probably. I'll be in charge of the guest for this episode, so yeah, we'll probably have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I did my part. Don't blame me. I got it. I had a guest. He was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then then he didn't do it. And now Jason and Zach are going to argue some more. Have feedback? You can get a hold of us. Wherever. We're on the things. You're smart people. You'll figure it out. What? Why do we keep doing that? We keep telling them, hey, go check us out on Twitter and, and Instagram and all that shit. And like, there's nothing yeah. on Twitter or Instagram. And I know you're going to do it. You're going to blame me. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't be wrong to. <laughs> but yeah, you should follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, just type in film prejudice to something. Things Ask Siri. I wonder if that would work. Hey, Siri, help me get in touch with film prejudice. Here are some movies matching prejudice. Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice. Do you want to hear the remaining three movies? I gave it a seven out of ten in our last episode. Motherfucker. What did I do? Yawning while talking. Court is adjourned.